Good morning. Has anybody told you this morning how good you look? Turn to the person next to you and say, you really look good this morning. And if you're online with us, find somebody and say that today. I don't know that he looks that great. I mean, I heard that. It's, uh, I mean, Ron, you do look good, but uh, we are looking at the last events leading to the crucifixion of Jesus to see the real Jesus in these sermons. We're getting close to Holy Week now. We're getting really close to Holy Week. Um, <clears throat> To begin, I want to tell you a story about a man who borrowed a book from a friend, and he noticed that several places in the book there were paragraphs that were underlined, but there was a strange notation, B, uh, YBH, YBH. So when he returned the book to his friend, he said, you know, I, I really enjoyed reading this book. I saw some of the notations you made, but what does YBH mean? And the friend said, you know, in those particular cases, when I would read those recommendations, I would, I would realize that, yes, that is true, but how do I get there? Yes, but how? You know, those three letters could be written in the margins of our souls. We... Uh, you know, we know that we ought to take care of ourselves. Yes, but how? We know that we should pray, read our scriptures, worship, fellowship with our Christian brothers and sisters. Yes, but how? We all know that we should be more sensitive to others, more loving of our families. And we all should see the weaknesses in our brothers and sisters to be able to reach out to them. Yes, but how? As Christians, we know the kind of life that we ought to live. And most of us have the best intentions, intentions to do so. Yes, but how? On the night of the arrest... And the trials that would unfold before him. Peter had the best of intentions. Peter was the first to answer the call of Jesus. Peter was the first to declare Jesus as the Messiah. Peter promised to never leave Jesus. On the night of the arrest, it was Peter who drew his sword and trying to protect Jesus, cut off the ear of the, of the high priest's servant. And yet, it's Peter that denies Jesus. The overconfident, self-reliant Peter would never see the real Jesus until everything was stripped away from him. That is what is before us today. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. May these words be your words. Hide me behind the cross, O oh God, so that every word that I don't speak or misspeak 
that you would speak instead, that we would hear your word for us today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. After the arrest, the soldiers would take Jesus to uh, Ananias. Now, Ananias was the previous high priest and really in some ways had more power than the current high priest, Caiaphas. So just kind of think through with me. He goes to Ananias, and during that time, Jesus is ridiculed, he's mocked, and he's beaten. He's then transferred to Caiaphas, and there in front of Caiaphas, the same thing happens. They bring people to bring evidence against Jesus. He's beaten, he's mocked. He's then taken to the Sanhedrin, that that is a gathering of of, of elected Jewish uh, leaders and authorities, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and there he is convicted. Now, the Jews cannot, at that particular time, they could do every penalty except the death penalty. And, And so in order for Jesus to be put to death, they had to take him to the Romans and find some Roman law that required the death penalty in order for Jesus to be killed. So they take Jesus to Pilate and accuse him of insurrection and treason. Now, Pilate, (laughs) Pilate doesn't want to deal with this guy. He's popular. You know, he sees the jealousy of the Jewish leaders. And so, like a hot potato, after he tries him, he sends him to Herod, who is the king of Galilee. Because Jesus is from Galilee. And, and Herod really wants, as the Gospels tell us, he wants to see this Jesus. But he finds the same thing. So he sends him back to Pilate. I'm going to let Pilate deal with this. Pilate reluctantly, under political pressure, though he finds Jesus innocent... sentences him to death. Now, six trials, three by the Jewish authorities that found him guilty, three by the Roman authorities that found him innocent, none of which found any uh, convicting evidence, none of which really followed their rules and laws. And we could preach a whole series of sermons about the injustice of the arrest. But really the arrest, I mean the trials, excuse me, the trials are a backdrop for what's happening with Peter and the denial that Peter makes of his Lord. Mark 14, 54 says this, because we're going to look at the but how did Peter get there? Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest and he was sitting with the guards warming himself at the fire. The moment Peter distanced himself from Jesus, he was at risk. In the three years of Jesus' high profile, highly publicized, popular ministry, miraculous deeds, Peter was always close by in the middle, never far away. He was the chief disciple, the rock, the water walker. Now, Peter drops back to a distance. And the Gospels don't really identify what's going on in his mind. Is he doubting? Is he afraid? Is he anxious? You know, what's going on with Peter? 
that, uh, that, that causes this distance and ultimately leads to his failure. For without the presence of Christ, Peter the rock falls into his old self. You know, the greatest temptation of even the most, most devoted Christian is separation from our Lord. Throughout the New Testament, we are encouraged over and over again to, to read our scriptures, to pray, to enter into worship on a regular basis, to, to fellowship with our brothers and sisters, to be held accountable and to learn from each other. And yet, when times are easy, we tend to rely on ourselves. We tend to uh, take our own path. Not, not, not too far. I mean, I'm, I, I still believe. I'm, I, I, I believe in the salvation of Jesus. But you know, God will understand. We're tempted to put our faith aside for a moment or two. And in these moments, the crisis comes. And that's where we wonder, where is God? Where did God go? Distance from our Lord leads to doubt, fear, anxiety, isolation. Distance from our Lord leads to self-reliance, to a need to control our, our life situation. And like Peter... Like Peter, it leads to a almost certain night of the of failure in the dark soul. It is inevitable. In verses seventy and seventy-one, Mark tells us about the last denial. Now I'm going to read this for you, and then I'm going to kind of go through the progression of what happens with Peter. He says, "Then after a while, the bystanders again said to Peter, "Certainly you're one of them, for you were a Galilean." But he began to curse and swore an oath. I don't know this man you're talking about. Now comes the moment of truth for Peter. In his wildest dreams, in his wildest dreams, he would never deny Jesus. In his wildest dreams, after sacrificing everything in his life to follow Jesus, no, never. Peter fell quickly. And, and the intensity of uh, uh, of the denial seems to, seems to grow as, as we see Peter fall farther and farther away from Jesus. When, when, he's, first, when he's first asked, aren't you one of them? He says, I, I don't understand what you're asking me. And, and then he's challenged again. Yes, you're one of them. And, and this is what he says. he says. He says, I'm not one of them. It is the third denial that's full of the emotion and contempt. Peter curses and swears an oath. I don't know the man. I don't think there's probably anybody in this room that would say, I will ever deny Jesus with my words. Anybody? No, never. We would never do that. The problem comes when we let the, the issues of life and the circumstances of life begin to distance us from our Lord. And our denials are subtle and more dangerous than words. We deny our Lord through, through attitudes, through, 
through our conversations, through our use of money, through our choice of entertainment, through the rationalization of our actions. It is a denial nonetheless. What happens next is really interesting. And, and I, I truly believe it is the first step toward Peter seeing the real Jesus. Uh, only Luke reports it. Here's what he says in chapter 22, verse six, uh, 60 and 61. At that moment, while he was still speaking, Peter, the cock crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times. The oath has just come from Peter's mouth. The curse could be heard by Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. Now, the Greek word, iniblebsen, is translated looked at. Have you looked at Peter? Literally, it means locked in a gaze. They locked eyes. And, and typically, the word is used, hear this, the word is used to describe a look of special interest, concern, and love. Wow. Wow. Peter had just <laughs> swore an oath against Jesus. Now, picture this. Jesus is probably going from Caiaphas' trial to the Sanhedrin, so he had to be led through the courtyard. And evidently the guards were, were there with him, by this time, Jesus' face is probably black and blue. His eyes were swollen shut. His cheeks were bruised. His face covered in spittle from, 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 the, from the mocking. Maybe a little blood is dripping from his mouth. Jesus doesn't say a word. The look says it all. The look says it all. Look at me, Peter. Do you not know me? Now you know that without me you can do nothing and even now, this is all for you. Even now, I love you. Mark 14, 71 says, and Peter broke down and wept. Yes, we all want to know the real Jesus. We want to be a follower, but how will Jesus ever accept us? Yes, Peter has fallen into the trap of self. So how will Jesus ever forgive him? The Greek in, indicates that, that Peter wept uncontrollably. That, that it was a, a show of deep, uh, uh, deep self-contempt. Probably the whole courtyard turned and looked at him. But here's what I think happened. That the weeping was Peter's repentance. The weeping was his realizing what had happened and what he had just done. And, and the sorrow that he felt for what he had done to repent before the Lord. And in these moments, Peter must have thought that all was lost. 
But it's in that moment of realization that Peter saw the real Jesus. He began to see now what, what, what Jesus was about. And hopefully the words from the Psalm 51, David's Psalm of Confession, came to him because it says, A broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. When we finally realize we can't make it without our Lord, when we are broken beyond repair, this is the day of our beginning. In our brokenness, that is the point where Jesus can make us something new again. Something beyond what we have ever been before. And here's the deal. Peter admitted his failure. You say, well, how do you know that? How do you know Peter admitted his failure? How do we know the story? Peter was the only one there. Peter had to have told the story. And Peter probably in those moments realized that he had to experience the crushing pain of personal failure to allow God through Jesus Christ to really work in him. This story could have only come from Peter. No one else could have told it. It was Peter's testimony of how he had come to know the real Jesus. Now the question is, how how many of us would make that admission? How many of us are willing to show our failure? How many of us are willing to expose our heart before one another? We hide our mistakes. We hope no one finds out. Not Peter. Once restored, he could not stop talking about it. He could not stop talking about Jesus and how the broken soul of Peter had become an apostle for the Lord. Now, I know you're probably saying, okay, all right, he repented, but how do we know that Jesus forgave him? The Gospel of John tells us a story It is at the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. It is a beautiful story. For some reason, the disciples have gone back to the Sea of Galilee to fish. John doesn't really tell us why or what's going on. Are they they hiding? You know, what's, what's, what's happened here? But here's what happens. They fished all night. They caught nothing. And a voice from the shore says, have you caught anything? And they said, no. And the voice said, cast your nets on the other side. Three years before, the same voice, the same question, the same command. And when they did, like three years before, the nets filled to overflowing, breaking. It was John who said, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. It is Peter who jumps into the water ahead of the boat to make his way to his Lord. As the boat is pulled up on shore and as they drag the nets up on shore, Jesus has already made a fire and begun breakfast. They ate breakfast together. And it is Peter that he addresses, the one who denied him. I think Peter wanted his disciples, all of them to know, That there was forgiveness and restoration even for Peter. And so he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? 
Now, we don't know what Jesus is referring to. Is he talking about the fish? Is he talking about the boat? Is he talking about the disciples? We don't know. We just know that, do you love me more than these, more than your life, more than your self-control, more than, more, more than giving your life fully and completely to me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. A second time, and Jesus said, feed my sheep. A second time, he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Then tend my lambs. And then a third time, just like in the courtyard, a third time in front of those disciples for all of us to read, a third time he says, Peter, do you love me? Full restoration. And in brokenness, says John, Peter responds, yes, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. In symbolic fashion, three times Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter is restored. Jesus wants us to know, the real Jesus wants us to know what he can do with a broken soul. Jesus is showing that he never gives up on us. That as we are broken, as we seek to find a way back to him, there is always a way. There is no wonder that Peter probably gave his testimony and told this story, both of his failure and his restoration, hundreds of times. It was his testimony to tell people about the real Jesus the one who loved them, that died for them, that shed his blood for them and defeated death for them. Because every time he did, every time he told the story, he could talk about his Savior. So the question for all of us is when our time comes, and yes, it will for all of us, but how will we respond? How will we respond? I pray with all of my soul for me that I will respond, oh Lord, only through the blood of Jesus, only through the power of your resurrected glory, only through the love that you have shown me in a locked gaze. That's how. That's how.